Running with Jake, the podcast. On this episode, Killian Jornet's new brand, N Normal, he's been quite clear that he wants to make one shoe that will kind of do everything. That's kind of the way forward. It's not, hey, look, this shoe has a bit of mushroom in it, because if it falls apart sooner, that's worse, not better. Running with Jake, the podcast, because every runner needs the occasional plot, and here's your host, Jake Lowe. Well, welcome to the show. Running, running with Jake, the podcast, your weekly dose of, of running motivation. Pete, producer, non-running yes. guy of the show, are you there? You, you, you're unsettling me. I was I was in the zone just before we started recording. You're flying around, lastminute.com. Wait, wait, I've got to, I'll be back, I'll be back. What's going on? Are you all right? I didn't know what was going on. I could hear a weird noise in my headphones. And you know how uh, previously this show has um, been, it sounded unprofessional because of uh, people <laughs> cutting down trees and stuff like that in the background of your household. <laughs> Don't blame um, me. Well, I could hear, not like it wasn't you cutting the trees down, but and I could hear this weird noise, this tink tink hmm. tink 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 noise, and I wondered what was going on because I've recently um, put some teacups in the uh, in, in the in the office so I can have a little cup of tea in the office because I've got a machine, and um, I thought it was them, so I thought there was some weird like paranormal activity in the office, and the teacups were wobbling, but it wasn't that. Upon further investigation. And my wife's having a bath and eating (laughs) breakfast cereal in the bath. No. With the bath door, with the door open. I know. How weird is that? No way. What, she's she's eating, eating breakfast in the bath? Yeah, she's eating breakfast. Is it a bubble bath or just a nut, like a... Yeah, it's bubble bath. It's a nut. She's like... like, like, What's cereal? Cereal, is it? What's she having? It's like porridge. Yeah, it's like um, a granola, a granola type thing. Nut-based granola. Yeah. Yeah, right. just there in the bath, like making the most noise you've ever heard ever. Man, that's weird. I'm not sure about that one. Maybe it could be if she drops a bit in the bath, could be two for one breakfast and exfoliation at the same time. How crunchy is that granola? <laughs> I mean, you know, she'll come out looking amazing, to be honest, and nicely full. Absolutely true. Yeah, yeah. Well, don't, let's not worry about it. We can we can gloss over it because what I've done is I've taken the uh, cereal offer, and God, you can't have that in the bath. Leave that alone. And she, now she's moaning to say it's going to be soggy when she gets around to it. But I've gone. Look, yeah. come on, the podcast comes first here. What are you playing at? It does. Running motivation comes first. Although on this occasion, I don't want to gloss over it, seeing as we're doing the sharing thing. Martina has an espresso on the toilet. I, I, that's weird as well. That is weird. I, don't, I can't... Ooh. I don't get that. That's like incoming and outgoing. I can't... There's a weird thing that... I just... It blows my mind. Can't do that. No, that's not right at all, is it? That's like... That's like eating or drinking when you have... That's not right. Weird, no. It's I weird. Mean, I mean, it, it's like drinking when you're having a wee. That's exactly what it yeah. is. It's weird. The only time I can relate to that completely, which I guess is maybe slightly odd... And it's only during winter when it's really cold and I've done, like, a really long run and, you know, the kind where you can see your breath and you've got your gloves and your hat on and you're just, oh, trying to get through it. You come back, you're all cold and you want to get nice and warm. I get in the shower with a cup of tea, like, literally in the shower. I try and keep the mug out of the, the water, which sometimes doesn't always work out too well. But I just, it's a weird thing. I just, I don't know, I like it. It's a bit odd, I know. It's a bit odd. You see, for me, a shower is something which has to be done on its own, and I appreciate it. And I think the, the tea thing, by the way, is weird. But um, mm. I did. I, mm. I, I do also know someone who brushes their teeth in the shower, and they leave their toothbrush in the shower, and you go, that's saving time, and I can understand that, because it's taking you two minutes to, to, to do your teeth after you've had a shower, and I get that, and I've tried it, because I go, yeah, it makes absolute sense. That's a time-saving thing where you're brushing your teeth. And I get it. I totally get it. But in practice, for me, it doesn't work at all. And likewise, with the tea, you know, I'm happy to sit here 
with the teacup here, but uh, put that in the shower or on the toilet, and it's just not working for me. Even in the bathroom, it's not working if for me. If you're listening to this episode and you're you're a bit weird, if you have a weird thing, maybe let us know. Drop us an email, podcast at runningwithjay.com. <laughs> What's your weird thing? We'll do a sharing thing. Yeah, you see, what we've done now is we've taken this uh, quality, quality product of a running podcast and we've turned it into a commercial radio station show. <laughs> do you think today's guest will regret coming on this show? Probably. <laughs> Let's get them on before they change their mind. <laughs> For the show notes and video content, go to runningwithjake.com forward slash podcast. Running with Jake, the podcast. I think the stage is set for an incredible guest. Yes, he is returning back by popular demand. It is none other than Damien Hall. We like to call him Damo. He is, according to his Instagram, a sports person. I love that. He's a sports person. He's a tea fueled ultra runner and just an all-round top guy. It's true, Damo. That's what everybody says about you. Great to have you on the show. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. And you're very kind. I'm not, I'm not sure that's the only thing people say about me, but yeah, you're very kind. <laughs> <laughs> only positive things. I mean, it's like you've done an interval session already this morning. We, we tried to start recording. Headphones weren't working. I had issues. You had issues. You had to dash back to the house. Man, it's, uh, it's all go. But look, you're here now. It's always a pleasure to have you on. I can't even remember the last time we spoke. So much has happened. It's absolutely insane. You've got a new book coming out. I want to ask you about that. People can jump on and pre-order that, which is super exciting. But uh, first of all, we're recording this. It's Tuesday. I feel I must ask you, how did you spend the day yesterday? Did you watch the funeral? Did you go anywhere? Did you do anything different? How did you feel? Oh, the funeral, wasn't it? Yes. Well, um... Hmm. I think that answers the question, <laughs> your reaction. <laughs> I did try and watch a little bit. I, I So my kids are uh, 8 and 11, and I tried to tell them this is, you know, a big moment in history. Uh, and then I sort of, you know, let's watch a bit of it before going out. And, um, yeah, they weren't very excited or interested. And it did get... It was mm. quite boring. It was a bit too churchy for me. You know, mm. who knew? Funerals. Mm. Uh, <laughs> so I watched a little bit uh, and got bored, and so did my kids. I think it's very easy to get quite funeraled out. I know what you mean about being funeraled out, actually, Pete. We spoke about this on last mm. week's show, didn't we, a little bit? Like, you know, how do you feel? And it's, it's, some, it's news that we can't obviously avoid. But, uh, yeah, it's kind of, you know, yesterday was a, a bit strange. We went to, we wanted to Winchester Cathedral. We went in and had a little a little watch. We didn't stay for the whole thing, um, Damien, like yourself. And, and then, but leaving the cathedral, there was quite a lot of people out clearly doing their own things and not really uh, sort of, too interested in actually watching the whole thing either so yeah it's interesting how it's affected people but look on to other news uh, exciting news the new book i mean this is just ace um tell me about it and tell me when it is available so i believe it is properly out um early october so only a few weeks oh blimey that's like a couple of weeks isn't it um don't waste your money folks don't waste your money um um (laughs) yeah which feels um it's strange when you do a book um I guess I finished it in, uh, well, I was meant to finish it before Christmas last year. Um, and then, well, cut a long story short, I think I missed three deadlines and then handed it in 10,000 words too long. So that probably says enough about me that you need to, that all you need to know. Um, so I, I probably finished it sort of in the spring. Um, and then you sort of, yeah, breathe a huge sigh of relief because it, obviously it's a lot, of, a lot of effort and there were a lot of late nights and you sort of want to leave it alone and you sort of um you sort of run away from it for a bit um and then well and you realize and then you realize it <laughs> hasn't actually come out yet so 
um, yeah, that's actually happening. So, yeah, I have to start uh, talking about it and stuff and encouraging people to buy it. I think you should do that. Well, <laughs> not look, I mean, I, I did speak to you before before we started this recording. It is clearly not to make you rich, but you have a very important message you want to get out there. And it, it is genuinely good to chat to you on the show, as always, Damien. And, you know, you're so humble always with these things, your own achievements and the books that you write. But a very important message, the title of the book, We Can't Run Away From This, Racing to Improve Running's Footprint in Our Climate Emergency. And this is something that none of us can run away from. We all know that about this, don't we? And I, I feel like there's a lot of positive traction of late. I, I'm interested to get your view on that. This is something that, that has been important to you for many, many years, a long time, I know, from speaking to you previously. Um, what's your feeling at the moment, Damien, with the changes, particularly w- within the world of running, to improve uh, the footprint? Is that happening? Are you seeing the changes made that you want to see made, like on an individual basis and I guess also from a, a, an, an event organiser's kind of side of things oh, as well? Blimey, yeah, what, what, a, what a great question. Um, if I can backtrack a little bit, I suppose I was just, well, it was, yeah, it was Dan... Dan Lawson and, and, and Charlotte Jolly at Rerun Clothing who first sort of woke me up to... Well, I think like a lot of people, you see climate change, you see the polar bears, and you, but you can't really relate that to your life. Um, what they did is, that is, is they, um, they started talking about the, the waste, the shoe waste and the T-shirt waste, especially in running. You know, the huge problem we have with all these... Um, T-shirts being given out at events. Not not saying that shouldn't happen at all, but we're all accumulating all this kit and all these T-shirts we probably don't want. And that does have a significant carbon uh, footprint when they're when they're produced. But also there's a lot of waste at the end, and that carries on contributing to the to the global warming problem. Dan and Charlotte made me aware that um, yeah, our running does have an impact, and 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 that it could be could be much more than we think. Um, so I suppose it got me thinking. This is probably back in 2019. It just got me thinking how much of my sort of runner lifestyle was a problem how much was it contributing um and the obvious next thing was that at the time i was sort of flying around europe to to do ultra marathons um and yeah i started feeling a bit a a bit more sort of self-conscious about that a bit more bad about that whether i really needed to be flying so much and then sometimes simply i could get a train which is often you know a, a, a quarter to a third of the footprint of a flight um but yeah, so I started, and then, and then I'd just done a book for Vertebrate Publishing, and, and they they sort of said, "What's next? What about doing something on, yeah, our climate and ecological emergency?" Um, and yeah, I was really fascinated in you know what aspects of say diet and, and kit and, and travel, but then also which I suppose which brands you know clothing brands, and then and which races as well, which events, you know who's doing well, what what should people be doing, and this is getting quite long-winded, but I suppose to answer your question is, um, yeah, I mean, on a planetary level, yes, we're not acting nearly quickly enough. Um, scientists say we need to reduce emissions by 45% this decade, and, and the, the projections are that they're only going up still. Um, and then you, you sort of narrow down into, I suppose, national level, and then and then you could look at running. Um, and, yeah, I mean, running... What I almost forgot for a bit when I was doing the book and got quite got quite gloomy, um, quite quite depressed, um, was you know running. It, running is still a good thing. Let's not forget that you know getting outdoors, 
exercising um, and and when you compare it to something like you know football football uh, and I'm a big football fan but that's thought to have an impact you know similar to the country of Tunisia you know so it, football's impact is going to be huge um, things like golf and tennis that are, that are traveling around the world and and usually the number one thing is the travel okay if you're if you're using if you're flying if, if flights happen regularly that's usually the biggest problem in, in a sport uh, participant and, and it's part of the participant travel actually not necessarily the elite competitors um, and in a way the good thing about running is that um, it's quite a bad, bad spectator sport in many many instances isn't it so not many of us travel so I might you know someone might travel around the world to watch a football game but we probably wouldn't travel to watch you know a running event most of us most of the time we might travel to be in one um, so yeah, I just got really interested in what what were the good and bad bits and what could be improved and and who was doing well and who was doing not well, I suppose. Um so that's a great question. What I found was yeah, some of the running events in Britain such as such as London Marathon and 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 Bath and um Cardiff, they're quite good. Um you know, have started looking at their own footprint and analyzing it. But of course, this sort of stuff does take money and time and it, it's not necessarily fair that, you know, little local trail race down the road that's organised in the back of a pub, you know, um, ultimately a local race isn't going to have much of a problem um, anyway because it's the it's the travel that's the big aspect. Um, but something like the London Marathon, I mean, I go into it quite a lot in, our, in my book and, and I mean, I actually think they're a little bit naughty. They, you know, they're concentrating on the things that... Um, that they know aren't the big things actually so um and, and that is you know plastic bottles and things like that is obviously upsetting because it's visual and and we all sort of see it and and it's quite um what's the word kind of kind of visceral visceral isn't it it's quite um emotive lots of plastic you know and and that is bad but actually the the transport for their elite athletes is far worse than those plastic bottles but they they don't want to really have a conversation about about that. I mean, I don't think anyone's realistically saying right you shouldn't have you shouldn't have you know the, the top runners in the world at your event anymore. But but perhaps you could have fewer. Um, so I, I calculated actually. Well, the Paris Marathon has the equivalent footprint of giving birth to over thirty people um, when it happens each time, and, and their their whole lifestyle. So it's it's huge, and London is probably similar. They didn't want to give me their figures. <laughs> um, um, so these big running events, um, yeah, they have a significant footprint, and not many, yeah, none of them really are really addressing the cause, this, the biggest part of that footprint, which is the spectate, sorry, participant travel. Um, so much could be done there. The other big area um, away from sort of... Um, individual footprints is is yeah the the clothing companies the kit companies and you know our shoes um we get through a lot of shoes don't we we we, we run a lot we get through shoes and it's it's been estimated that that the shoe industry um uh, sorry rather the the trainer industry globally has the same emissions as the uk uh, which is just stunning, isn't it? Um, if you think of the UK and, and everything that's happening there, and then you think there's an industry globally that has the same in, approximate footprint. Um, so I, for one, are, yeah, I'm much more careful with my shoes now. Um, and, and yeah, and, and all of those are made from fossil fuels and they're not recyclable. So they're, um, they're either being burnt, which adds to the problem, or they're going into landfill, which also adds to the problem. So yeah, shoes, our shoes and our kit is a big problem. Um, 
and yeah a lot of companies could be doing much much better um with with that it's a huge huge subject isn't it i mean it's it's fascinating listening to you on this topic damien because it, it gives you a certain awareness, certainly myself, and I imagine people listening to this that perhaps we didn't have. You know, talking about the emphasis on actually not just the plastic bottles, because I'll be honest, as a runner, that's the first thing I think of. You know, closely followed perhaps by the clothing, the T-shirts. I don't actually think about the trainers as much. It's like the free T-shirts afterwards or, you know, the T-shirts you pay for now for when you do the, these races and things. And I understand it's like a it's like a medal in some respects, isn't it? You know, I, I do get that. Um, but it's knowing where that value is. You're talking about races, and it's interesting to hear that some event organisers are making changes and they're, they're seen to be making changes, but how? I guess what you're saying there is how significant are those changes? You know, worrying about the, the, the bottle caps rather than actually how many of the athletes have you got coming to this event and the travel costs. I, I mean, you mentioned football, Damien. I'm a big Formula One fan, but my gosh... I mean, where do you start with that? You know, it is a very much a hot topic for them. They talk about it before every single race and it's ongoing. But, you know, I think, I don't know, what's your view on this, Damien? Because, you know, you've, you've not been running since you were like, you know, five type thing. Like, I know your, your kind of story and getting into it and whatnot. But, like, it feels like a very green sport, doesn't it? It feels like a very, on the, on the face of it, does that make sense? You feel, oh, it's running. You don't need anything. It's not like cycling. You need equipment. You need this and you need that. You just, you know, it's not Formula One. You just run and you're in the fields and you're in nature and you are. Oh. But actually, when you really stop and look at it and we're getting involved in these events, and also, I'm interested to know what you think to this. Do you think people do more events, which can obviously have have a have a big impact on the, on, on climate? Because... I think when people do events for the first time, you know, like they've just started running and they get into events, they've done the park run, and they're like, oh, this is cool. I love that, so I'm going to do it again next year. And all of a sudden, they're racing almost every weekend. Not quite, but there are all those runners out there that are doing so many events. Obviously, more travel costs if they're not all their local kind of 5 and 10Ks. It's a, it's a big thing, isn't it? It's a big problem to try and get our head around and to make a dent in. That, in a way, is the nutshell of the book in, in the, like... Yeah, we think running's fairly pure and, and simple and harmless, and actually, there, there's there's a fair bit of harm. Um, no one's done a study yet, you know, comparing different sports. Although there are one or two sort of, par- yeah, there are one or two little studies that that could, um, well, they're in the book. I can't remember exactly, um, but, but estimating what your footprint might be if you're sort of in, you know, a, a runner versus a football fan. Um, but running is. Yeah, it's much worse than I thought, I suppose. And what we've got to remember is everything we buy has a footprint. Everything, you know, when we get up in the morning, everything we eat, our clothing, everything emitted greenhouse gases that are adding to the problem, in their, usually in their creation, although some still in their use. Obviously, if it uses electricity, you know, our watch. Um, but also our watch, probably the biggest uh, emissions were actually in its creation. Um, but yeah, all the kit you buy adds... And so anything we buy, so there's a, a, a clear correlation between sort of wealth, you know, the, the, the wealthier country, the wealthier person, the more footprint they nearly always have. Um, so, and, and I just looked around my room as well, you know, sort of treadmill, foam roller, kettlebells, resistance bands, you know, a couple of GPS watches, earphones. And then I was like, my phone, oh, I, ha- I have a phone anyway. And then I was like, actually, I'm mostly on, you know, Strava and Instagram and it's all about running. Um, and our phone again it's it's the creation of the phone usually that's the bigger problem although of course because it's ongoing electricity it's contributing and actually yeah the internet is a, is a big issue as well because of all the storage of the data is becoming a huge issue um, but so there are lots of little 
Well, lots of big things. And if people are interested in looking at their own footprint, then it's three things, really. It's, it's travel, diet and the kit, you know, all the kit you're, you're buying. Those are the three things to think about. Um, but what I really hope came across in the book is I don't want people to, be, you know, I, I and, and, and people who care about this have got to a stage where you kind of just feel, you know, almost guilty for existing, like sort of, you know, I can't get in a car. I can't, I can't go and do a race because, you know, and that's not fair on us, is it? Um, because we didn't create the problem. Um, and if, uh, and I think if we, to me, the answer is, you know, we grab a few bits of low hanging fruit. So that might be to travel less or travel smarter, um, uh, you know, race a bit less, you know, if, if you, you know, um, depends, you know, some people don't race much. Some people do, you know, lots of races abroad and maybe they're the ones that need to address things a bit, but yeah, look after your kit more. If you can eat less meat and dairy, that's going to help too. But ultimately, you know, 1% of the world, creates the same emissions as sorry double the emissions as the bottom 50 percent and and governments are, have so much power to change this stuff um you know they're still subsidizing fossil fuels when fossil fuels are the you know the number one problem is is fossil fuels um they're subsidizing the meat and dairy industry and that's that's the second biggest problem um so governments could be doing huge things and they're choosing they're choosing not to there's a lack of political will and that's just not me that's not just me that's that's from the ipcc reports um and vested you know vested interests and i think we all know what what that means um so i don't think people should go around feeling guilty for living you know gu- guilty for existing guilty for having children um i think there's yeah two or three things most of us can do uh and as i say fairly straightforward bit less meat and dairy, uh, look after your kit more, try and buy a bit less perhaps, um, maybe race and travel a bit less, um, or just make it count as well. You know, I don't think someone should feel terrible if you've always wanted to do, I don't know, the the, the, the New York Marathon. I, I, you know, I don't think someone should feel, oh, right, I can't, I can't do that now. I, I, I just think, you know, make, ideally make that the, maybe the one flight of your year and make a trip of it, you know, maybe take the family or, or make it a longer trip, see some of America. Um, you know, I don't think people should, yeah, punish themselves. The, the next thing people can do is, is, and I think this is more significant than, you know, turning vegan or, 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 or you know, patching up your shoes to make them last longer, um, is to sort of get active and, and agitate for change. Um, and that can mean all sorts of things, whether it's joining sort of protests on the streets, um, which I know is intimidating to some people, but actually that's that's far less committing than, than sort of going vegan or, or something. That's... Um, it's, it's actually surprisingly sort of joyous and, and easy. You know, you can dip in and out, you know, join in for a couple of hours, leave again. Um, but, but you know, numbers at protests does make a difference. That's been proven time and again. Um, but also, I mean, there's all sorts of online campaigns. I mean, that get, I guess that gets called clicktivism, but, but, you know, there's some value in that. Or write to your MP, email your MP, um, join, join organisations like Greenpeace, join the Green Runners. Um, so to me, that side of things... Being a little bit of an activist is more worthwhile than sort of, I don't know, polishing your hummus pots for the recycling. You know, that that's still important, but it's not as important. You know, that's not as significant. Um, but also, yeah, I don't think we should all feel we can't can't leave the house anymore, can't do anything anymore. Um, 
uh, because that's that's a bit of a miserable <laughs> a bit of a miserable idea, and we're not quite at that point yet, anyway. I think you make some really good points there, Damien, and I like the way you put your points across as well. It's not forced upon anybody. You know, you must turn vegan, you must do this, you can't do the New York Marathon. What you're saying is, look, let's make some significant changes, get an awareness going on here. Uh, I, I like what you're saying there about you know, m- make it a thing, make it an event, make it a, a memory. You know, if that's what you want to do, again, using New York as a as an example there, um, and, and and it's just making those changes that have the big impact which might be actually get active get some you know create some awareness I feel like you know and I suppose as a coach and a, and a runner as well Damien I do feel like there's a bit of a shift in people's mentality perception to a degree I mean I can't back that up that up with any figures and stats as you can but I do feel like people are perhaps a little bit more conscientious of, of certain things whether or not there's high value in those things I mean Kit for example and you mentioned that's one of the I suppose the big three if we label them as that talking about travel diet and kit you know for, for myself personally and I know this from other runners that I coach and people and whatnot within the running community there seems to be a bit less emphasis on kit so for example I'm not as I used to be somebody that was, oh, I want, I want the T-shirt after, you know, the T-shirt's got to fit after a race, you know, or what colour is the T-shirt that you get? You know, you're smiling because I'm sure you get the finished T-shirt, you know. Oh, what do you mean it's, it's, it's unisex, you know, and all this. I want the right fit and whatnot. Whereas now, I feel more proud actually to say, I've had this T-shirt 10 years and I'm still bloody wearing it. Like genuinely, genuinely, that's how I feel. And I'm actually like that with sort of normal clothes fashion clothes I've always been a bit like that I try to buy sort of classic bits that I keep for years and I'm proud to say Martina my girlfriend's always saying yeah we know bloody hell how long you've had those <laughs> shoes we get it you've had them resold or but I, I, I but I used to be the opposite with kit and now I'm not I'm like well I don't see the point in buying all this stuff and, and like you know I've got we know how long this technical stuff tends to last as well I mean the base layers and the tights and, the, and all that sort of stuff you know seasonal as well just seems to last forever tell me about the shoes I'm interested because that's not it's not at the forefront of my mind, Damien, I'll be honest. And obviously we know that, that is, they are something that naturally needs replacing. What can we do? What choices can we make or kind of thoughts can we have when it comes to choosing shoes and, and you know, protecting the environment, really? Firstly, it's, it's really reassuring that you say that because, I mean, I'm in a bit of a bubble of, of like-minded runners, you know, and, and I co-founded the, this group called The Green Runners. And, of course, we all, we all think along those lines. Um, but it's hard, isn't it? Because, you, you know, a brand brings out a new thing and you think and they promise you'll run better with it, you know, and it's hard. So so they have to, you know, we're all human and I'm not going to pretend I don't ever get new kit. I'm just more reluctant to. And, and, and yeah, there's less of it coming in. But I, we're all human. Um, so brands have to play a part as well. Um, now, it's really interesting. So I really had a good look at the trainer industry and, and the clothing industry slightly separately. Um, and there's a lot of well, it's, it's greenwashing. There's a lot of brands bringing out, oh, there's a bit of, um, you know, plastic from the ocean in this shoe or a bit of algae or mushroom or sugar cane. Um, but if that shoe falls apart quicker than a plastic shoe, then they'll need to make another shoe for you and you'll need to buy another shoe. And that's actually worse. Um, if things aren't lasting as long, um, that's not... <laughs> so there's a lot of... And also a lot of these big companies... They, they have their like one eco shoe and then 49 other shoes that are not, you know, have no eco credentials. Um, so if, if that, you know, if they really care about stuff, why haven't they made all their shoes, you know, more sustainably? And, the, you know, the answer is they probably, yeah, they probably, they probably don't. And, and, and that's why um, they probably don't care that much. Sorry. Um, so really, the number one thing is for us to buy less, for these companies to make less. Now, only one company, and I appreciate that is hard, you know, they're a company, you're a business, 
you've got to perpetual growth, you know, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not an economist. Um, but you know, there is a guy called, uh, Jason, uh, Jason Hickel, I think he's called, has, has written a book about degrowth. Um, maybe it's a bit fanciful. I don't know, but, but, you know, the only one brand I've seen that has said we're going to make fewer pairs of shoes, like we don't need to make so many shoes, and that's um, Vivo Barefoot, actually. But although I would say also Killian Journey's new brand, N Normal, um, he's been quite clear that he wants to make, you know, one shoe that will kind of do everything. So that's, that's kind of the way forward. It's not, um, hey, look, this, yeah, this shoe has a bit of mushroom in it, um, because if it falls apart sooner... You know that that's that's worse, not better. But shoes that last, kit that lasts, um, yeah, is 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 better. So it's durability, really, durability and and less. Um, and I I think one some brands have twigged that, and and yes, some of us are hopefully gonna be more loyal to those brands that really are making the effort. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, I found that the chapters on on kit the most depressing because there's just a lot of greenwashing and a lot of marketing. Um, and yeah it's it's confusing it's confusing for people i get that it, i guess it's quite easy or easier to put yourself in a camp of look what we're doing for the environment but actually how you know high value is that thing that you're doing and and as you say actually is it almost false economy type stuff you know <laughs> because actually the shoe doesn't last as long you've therefore got to buy more of them got to produce more you know etc cetera, etc cetera. just on the whole shoe thing still damien where are you in terms of mileage where do you stand on that you know the, the industry will say sort of three to five hundred uh, do you eke out your miles do you just try to get everything out of them what you know what's your your feeling i know it's a quite a broad question because obviously shoe different shoes last different different durations but what's your feeling no that's a great question question because um yeah the, I, I looked i tried to look find as many studies as i could on shoes and i really was trying to find is there really you know three to five hundred miles is that really a thing most of these companies say you should be throwing your shoe away um but i anecdotally i mean a lot of my friends are ultra runners that we're doing big miles anecdotally they're all saying no way my shoes do much further than that you've got a slight difference with i suppose trail shoes trail shoes shouldn't run out the, the the grip so obviously the un, the surface is less abrasive it's usually the upper that goes on a trail shoe actually um goes first and and actually that's relatively easy well i'm still experimenting because a bit hit and miss but you know there are different types of patches you can buy or glues um but if anyone's keen to look into more yeah go to rerun clothing's website or they've got a youtube channel now showing different sort of ways to fix shoes and there are some of us taking great pride in sort of putting putting a plaster on you know put a colorful plaster on and say look these have done a these have done a thousand miles um but certainly the three to five hundred mile thing uh, seems to be a myth as far as i can tell and i could find no study that, that related it to injury um in fact there was a study yeah of runners saying you know, they thought the shoes injured them and, and, it, and it sort of said it said it wasn't that. It was, you know, training errors, which usually means, yeah, a bit too much too soon or, or yeah, or, or running on an old niggle. Um, so, yeah, I think we're in the habit of throwing shoes out too early. Um, and, of course, it saves us money if we can make them last longer as well. So, um, and, that, yeah, there seems to be very little to no evidence that, that a shoe is going to injure us. Now, of course, the, the, the sort of cushioning will compress over time but the, that's the other debate like do, how much cushioning do we actually need and, and again studies are sort of showing different things um and 
yeah, I would just say to people, don't automatically throw your shoe out because that's just going straight to waste. Um, it's it's and even when you throw them out, there is a company now called um, Jog On. They're called, and at least they'll sort of churn them up, separate the parts, and and um, you, uh, it's downcycling rather than recycling. But that's still better than going into landfill, which is terrible, really. Um, so yeah, look out for Jog On if you really think your shoe is is done. Um, look for a company called Jog On. I, I love some of the things you're saying here. You know, talking about the plasters and things, and and make it a thing. The colourful plasters. Do you know what I thought about the moment you said that? I'm st- look. I know this is a third time you've been on the show, and and you were probably hoping we'd upgraded the show. No, I'm still in. I'm still in the the coat cupboard. <laughs> this is where we are now, surrounded by coats and things. But to my left, genuinely, check this out. This is one of my trail bags. Right, you'll be impressed with this, Damien. I kid you not. I've had that. I've had that 13 wow. years. There's holes in the side. There's a reason I'm sharing this with you. There's holes in the front. The bottom pockets around the belt don't really work anymore. I can't put keys in that because I'll just fall out. But of course, it's still functional to a degree. Why have I not got rid of that? Because it tells a story for me. Does that make some yes, sense? Absolutely. I just, the adventures I've been on with that bag, I, it, I promise you, I'm so pathetic. It's given me goosebumps <laughs> saying this. Like, when I first got into the whole world of trail, and as you know, I'm sort of mix of trail and road, I just, that's the bag I had, and I just, it's a classic 25 litre. It's just seen so many <laughs> different adventures, good and bad. It's part of the journey that we often like to talk about. So, I think going back to your point about the shoes and the colourful plasters, I, I just love that because it's making it a thing, isn't it? And and almost feeling proud of that decision that you've made. I'm still I'm still using these and it's great for the environment. And look at these colourful plasters. And I want you to ask me about them when you see me at the local race because I'm going to tell you why and where I ripped the upper on this shoe. I know the exact bush. <laughs> I really like that. Listen, I can't let you go, Damien. It's always a pleasure talking to you on the show. Uh, it's just great to hear all this stuff and your passion. It comes across so clearly. Tell me where you are at the moment with you're running what's going on are you you and john kelly back and forth with his records i can't keep up where are you do you still have the pennine way record what's uh, going on thanks thanks for bringing that up no no he's good <laughs> sorry sorry oh um yeah with that one he he went back last year <laughs> broke my time i went back this year didn't break his time um it was a bit it was a bit wind the wind wasn't helping me but yeah maybe maybe, maybe i can't break his time um, but yeah, I had a good go in May, um, but that feels like a long time ago now. I've just got back from a race, actually. I've just done a race called the Tour de Gion in, in Italy. It's, I saw this. Yeah, 300... Yeah, yeah. Didn't you follow the wrong guy? Were you <laughs> yeah, sleep deprived yes. and you went up the wrong... Yeah, it was all, what going, was going, it was on all there? going very well. It was going well. Yeah, so it's 330 <laughs> kilometres. Takes, you know, takes three or four days for the faster runners. It was all going very well. I was in about fifth place, fifth, sixth. Um and yeah i i foolishly foolishly sort of went off course took a wrong turn uh you know it was my fault I, i'm sort of half blaming someone else who was adamant it was uh, up this mountain um and he was he was local but but yeah it's still totally my fault but yeah that put me back a bit let's say so i finished uh, yeah outside the top 10 but i mean it was absolutely mind blowing event i'm determined to go back next year tour de gion um amazing yeah just amazing mountains in the aosta valley um, it's huge, a huge circuit, uh, amazing volunteers, all these refuges in the mountains. Just absolutely loved it. So I'm just recovering from that for now. This was an Italian runner that you followed, yes. wasn't it? That took you the wrong way, effectively. Even though it was ultimately your decision, your decision, you went with your own free will. I wish you'd have called me. You should have called me. I'd have told you. Look, I know. I know about 
directions when it comes to Italians. Their sense of direction. Martina would not find the local co-op without the help of the GPS. She just wouldn't. <laughs> I'm telling you, she would. She has absolutely no idea. Every time she goes on a run, it's like a new run. She's like Dory. She's. I'm like. She's like. Oh, I've never been here before. You have. We did it last week, but you just don't remember. Oh gosh. Well, look. I'm pleased you had an amazing time. What have you got coming up? Anything? What's next? Spine race on the agenda. Uh, spine race in January. Da, da, da. Uh, so back on, back on the Penang Way. Um, yeah, I just love love a, I do love running in the winter, so that's going to be a winter adventure for me. Um, um, January. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, listen, best of luck with that, Damien. If you do want to pre-order Damien's book, uh, go and check it out. You have a link on your Instagram page, which of course we'll put on our show notes page, which is runningreject.com forward slash podcast, and uh, the Instagram link is ultra underscore demo. Again, we'll put that on the show notes page. Uh, we can't run away from this. Damien Hall, that's the new book. Go and pre-order it now. Damien, absolute pleasure, my friend. Great to chat to you. I'm sure we'll catch up again. Are you out there today? Are you running? Or are you, what I are you can doing? do my right first run tomorrow. Busy? I only raced, yeah, last week. So, yeah, first run tomorrow. So, oh. short cycle today. Good, man. Good. I can see he's bouncing up and down as he says this. He's itching to get out of there. Look, just be careful. <laughs> Don't go getting injured. We need you to smash these races you've Thank got you. coming up. Listen, have a great rest of the day. Have a good week, Damon. So Catch much, you guys. soon. Cheers. Running with Jake, the podcast. Moving on. If you are new to our show, if you're a new listener, this is a first time maybe you've stumbled across our little ball of madness that is Running with Jake, the podcast, uh, then first of all, welcome. I say first of all. Obviously, this is kind of midway through the episode. Probably should have thought this through. But anyway, welcome. <laughs> uh, this is the part of the show where we take one of your running-related questions, whether it's racing, training, nutrition, Whatever you have in your mind that you feel you need some help with, we're here for you. It's hashtag AskJake, and we're going to take one of your questions each and every episode. Today's question comes from Steve, who wants to know if he should start foam rolling before he goes for a run. Steve, I'm a big fan of foam rolling before a run. few things to think about. Uh, They do divide opinion a little bit, so some experts will say that the benefits of foam rolling are like self-massage. That's what it is. Other experts will say... It's actually more to do with something called fascia within the body and it just helps reduce the friction between various structures so that everything works better. It kind of frees up the body. I sort of agree with both of those suggestions, actually, and I think it feels good to foam roll. If I'm doing it before a run, which I do before most runs, by the way, I tend to work on repetitions rather than duration. So I'll simply do roughly between 10 and 20 rolls, if you like, or reps on each of the main muscle groups, depending on how I feel, before I go out for a run. I don't want to provide soreness to the body. I don't want to make the body sore before I run. So I'm just trying to loosen things up a little bit, which is why I only do sort of 10 to 20 reps. And I think that can really help you. And also you feel good from doing it anyway, because actually you're moving the various positions you have to get the body into to be able to foam roll. It's helping you to move your joints, which is warming you up. It's switching your mind on as well. So I'm all for it. Give it a go. Dig out the foam roller. Don't forget to let us know how you get on, Steve. If you've got a question, it's hashtag AskJake, or you can drop us an email at podcast at runningwithjake.com. That is it for today's episode of Running With Jake, the podcast, your weekly dose of running motivation. I hope you've enjoyed today's show. If you have your eyes set on an autumn marathon, it might be the London Marathon, it might be another one. They are fast approaching. Make sure you avoid the temptation to play catch-up and do more than you should in this very crucial stage of training, which is tapering. We don't all love the tapering period as runners, do we? If if you've experienced this before in the lead-up to a race, you'll know it's perfectly normal, rest assured, to feel a little bit 
concerned, anxious, nervous? Have you done enough? Will you be okay on the day? Will you be able to get to the finishing line? You've got to trust the process, understand and reflect over the training that you've done. And also bear in mind there will be an element of blind faith on the day. And I can assure you the crowd, the spectacle, the occasion, that will absolutely drive you to that finish line. That's it. We're out of here. We will be back next week for more Running Motivation. Oh, and one more thing. The bad news is time flies. The good news is you're the pilot. Pilot.